Like, mm-hmm. and if astrologers and spiritual seekers like us, if we're not the ones who are demonstrating the capacity of what it means to consciously change through serious spiritual study, through forgiveness, through compassion, through nonviolence, through understanding, through altruism, through compassion, then what hope does anybody have? Because if we're just using this to manifest a trip to the Amafi coast, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's not the deepest meaning of what we can do. Yeah. And because since we know what changes our own lives, that's what changes the world. Because if you know what changes conversations and changes a heart, that's how the world changes. Metaphysicians have those values. So if we're not demonstrating that, then we're not honoring the gravitas of the system, period. Preach. Episode over. That was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh- <laughs> You're listening to Let's Be Omnist, the show where we are celebrating spiritual diversity, one truth, and one story at a time. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. Today, you're listening to season two, episode one. But before I talk about my guest and we dive in, I'd like to share a little bit of Let's Be Omnist news and updates. With this launch of season two, I am bringing you more interviews from more people more often. So essentially all around, I am bringing you more and hopefully more of what you love. So from here forward, you can tune in every week on Wednesday to hear a brand new episode on whatever platform you choose to listen to podcasts on. But bringing you more of what you love also means that I need to know what it is that you love. So please know that I'm always open to your suggestions. If you have someone that you'd absolutely love to hear from or a topic that you have on your mind, uh, send me your suggestions via email to michael at thedivinerlife.com. You could also check out my website and fill out a contact submission form with all the deets. I would love to talk more about what you actually want to hear about. So please feel free to share. My door is open. With that out of the way, let's talk about my very first guest for season two because like I said, I am so excited. I'm honored to have spoken with the amazing, the incredible, the fast-talking Long Island astrologer from QueerCosmos.com, Colin Bedell. Colin Bedell is a queer Gemini twin from Long Island, New York. He's a passionate student of secular personal growth systems, as well as the universal spiritual themes explored in A Course in Miracles. Colin was a Provost Scholar in the MA Fashion Studies program at Parsons School of Design, where he was the student speaker at the 2016 New School Commencement Ceremony. Complementing his astrology work with Queer Cosmos, Colin is also the weekly horoscope writer for Cosmopolitan.com. His best-selling first book, A Little Bit of Astrology, from Sterling Publishers, launched November of 2018. Then his second book, Queer Cosmos, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships, launched November of 2019. And now his newest and third book, Gemini, by Sterling, debuts January 2020. I invited Colin on the show to share with us a little bit about astrology for the modern day. His work is actually the reason that I understand the small amount of astrology that I do. And so I wanted to introduce that source of knowledge with you and just really have the opportunity to chat some real talk about what astrology really is. So in this episode, we'll talk about how astrology should and does evolve with humanity, and what the stars have to say about 2020. With all that said, grab your cup of tea, your cup of coffee, your cup of whatever you'd like, because here's my conversation with Colin Bedell. Welcome, Colin, to Let's Be Omnist. I am so excited to have you, and I'm so thankful for you taking time out of your what I know to be a busy schedule to be here. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. How are you? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I am good. I have been gearing good. up for this all day. I know, and I can tell, and I can feel it, and you are prepared, and I appreciate it, and thank you for having your eyes dotted, your T's crossed. We're going to have a meaningful conversation because you did not come, you know, falling asleep at the wheel, so thank you. Of course. Um, So I've already told the listeners all about you and kind of your basic bio, uh, but I want them to have the opportunity to get to know you a little more. Okay. So let's play a quick game of Two Truths and a Lie. How do you feel? Okay. I feel nervous about it, but I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. Let's do it. All right, cool. So go ahead and tell me your two truths, one lie, and I will guess which one is the lie. Two truths, one lie. Okay. You got it. Um, That I am the oldest of three. 
Okay. The second one is that um, I walked the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show runway. Okay. And that the third one would be that I really always wanted to be uh, a clandestine officer for the Central Intelligence Agency. Oh, all right. That one is very different. I'm going to say, mm, this is a stretch. I'm going to say that the lie is that you're the oldest of three because I know that you are a Gemini twin. So I'm mm-hmm. going to bank on the fact that maybe you're just a twin. Oh, and you're correct. Boom! Yes. Got it. Do you always? This is not fair. You have two signs in Scorpio. There's no fucking way I can get away with telling you a lie because you're a natural lie detector. I am actually really bad at this game, and uh, I think this may be the first time I'm right. Probably because I'm terrible at it, too. But yay! Way <laughs> to go. You did it. I know. I was so nervous about it, and that was the first ones that came to my mind. I was like, just wing it. Don't even prepare. I really That's want... to do. To ask you, though, about this uh, Victoria's Secret fashion show, because personally, yes. I am obsessed with the Victoria's Secret wings. I've always wanted the pair. Uh, yes. So please tell me how this happened. <laughs> I love it. So even though it's actually not being held this year because they're renovating and redesigning and getting clear on their social values, so they're going through a huge makeover, which is good. Uh, but I, like you, was absolutely obsessed with the Victoria's Secret fashion show, and I loved the wings, the spectacle, the presentation, the drama, the musical performances, the the way that the models kind of performed aesthetic. I think that queer people have always loved the runway as a space for visibility and representation. That's why Pose is such a big show. That's why we have categories and aesthetics. And we adore the runway as symbol. And I think most of us were drawn to the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show because it was the easiest, accessible, most mainstream proximity to the very elitist fashion industry. Yeah. And so I got an internship there uh, in this in the season of 2012, and I worked for the show for six months. And then I went and I went to the fashion show. So that's when Rihanna, Bruno Mars, and Justin Bieber were performing. It was okay. the same year. Yeah, it was the same year that uh, Hurricane Sandy leveled New York. So and it's filmed in New York. So there was just a lot of energy and 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 drama there. It was kind of f- fantastic though. <laughs> and in between recordings and after it. I was like, it's here. I'm going to walk it. It didn't matter that nobody else was there. It didn't matter that I wasn't being recorded. But I made the left-hand turn from the behind the stage, and I fucking walked the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show runway. That is so great. Why not? And then they sent you home with a complimentary <laughs> pair of wings. <laughs> I wish. No, Ugh. I always put them on, though. Let me tell you, when nobody was looking, I put them on all the time. They're very heavy. And I loved every second of it. Okay. And is that, so were you there because of your connection to um, your fashion school background? Way to go. Because yes, I did go to Parsons School of Design and that's in New York City. And the vast majority of the celebrated curriculums there are fashion focused. And uh, my roommate at the time had already gotten an internship there. And I was just like, oh my God, can I come? And he was like, yeah, sure. And he just emailed somebody and they were like, do you need extra help? And they did. And the next thing I know, I'm working for the fashion show. I mean, it was insane. Insane. That is so crazy. I want to ask you how someone goes from the world of fashion to the world of astrology, but mm. I will be getting ahead of myself. So let's <laughs> rewind. Rewind. And start with where did your spiritual journey begin? And then we'll catch up. Oh, I guess it started where it usually starts for most people, which is this early childhood. I mean, I always believed in an enchanted world that was holding up the material world. I always did. I just never questioned it. You know, I was a a firm believer in magic, in metaphysics, in spirituality, and I was drawn to symbols and stories and characters that presented that, like Harry Potter, of course, which I read when I was 10 and onward. Mm. And I just never really left uh, I honestly don't think that I did. And I, but it was probably when I turned 24, which is a Jupiter return year. So any year that's divisible of 12 is okay. when we celebrate a Jupiter return. And I use celebrate in air quotes because there was no celebration there. I got my, my ass handed to me. Can I curse on here or no? Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. You're free to I say got, what you need to say. <laughs> good. Cause I got my fucking ass handed to me. Okay. <laughs> and it was crazy. And that was really when I 
kind of, it was the very first time I actually prayed out loud. And I said, wow, you know, I, I really blew it. I was in a failed relationship that a person broke up with me on. My current career path was just not giving me any satisfaction. Mm. And I was essentially just evacuated off the premises of my own life. That's what I always say, because that's the Jupiter return kind of experience. I prayed out loud. And the next thing I know, I'm in front of my computer and I'm watching a woman named Marianne Williamson talk to Oprah about a book called The Course of Miracles. And I was like, who is this bitch? (laughs) And what is this book? And it was really my answered prayer. And then the next thing I know, I bought a return to love and I started learning about the universal spiritual themes around forgiveness, compassion, mercy, altruism, non-judgment, the Mm -hmm. ego mind, the spirit mind. Um, And that was my primer for a few years. And then I started A Course in Miracles when I was 25. And I've been studying it pretty passionately ever since. And that's really where I am now. And astrology was always a part of it because it was spoken in my home pretty, oh. pretty well. Yeah. My mother had to always ask people, what's your Zodiac sign? Da, da, da. <laughs> and I know, thank God. And it was just a part of our vernacular. She never, she never knew what a natal chart was. She was just fluent in sun sign astrology, but yeah, it's just been kind of an all encompassing, no experiences wasted life. And I just cannot believe that I get to do this for a calling and a work today. I'm so grateful for it. That is so interesting to hear that astrology has like always been a part of your life because I know for me growing up, I don't think I realized my parents' sun signs until I was like in my twenties. Cause I was That's like, okay. oh, actually, let me look that up real quick because I, <laughs> they've never said it before. Right. So, for your mom to be going around like, what's your sign? What's your sign? Oh, always. And she read Linda Goodman's Sun Signs, as a lot of New York women did <laughs> in the 80s. And she read a chapter about Taurus, Taurus boys, because before she had Gemini twins, me and my twin sister, uh, she had my brother. And the, astro- the astrologer, Susan, no, no, no. Uh, why am I blanking on her name? I just forgot it. But she, Linda Goodman, thank you. And she wrote the book. Thank you, God. She wrote this section about Taurus. And then my mother knew, oh, wow, this is for real. And then she just always started saying, well, I'm a Cancer, so I'm a water sign. It needs to be by the ocean. And she would <laughs> totally throw shade at my Leo dad. And she would just eye roll at me and my twin sister like, oh, these Geminis, they can never make up their mind. Here they go, running their mouth, yelling at everybody. And it was just always, she was just running this constant narration about our lives through the lens of astrology. And then I was 11 years old and I was like, what is that? And I Googled it and then boom, I never Um, left. So when did you really start to take over astrology from a standpoint of like helping others through astrology? Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. And I appreciate that you use it as a, as you use it as a way of useful and how can it be of service to help others? I'm not being grandiose, but I don't think I ever experienced astrology without using it as a tool to provide clarity for others. Mm. For me, I didn't think that the revelation of self was the most meaningful aspect of it. It just wasn't. It was cool to know, oh, I'm a Gemini, so of course I'm a talker, but <laughs> it was never the the end of the story i think i was really curious to kind of oh you're having a rough day well let's look at your zodiac sign and maybe we could figure out why and maybe it's because this part of you isn't celebrated or this part of uh your relationship isn't working because it's not honoring this value that your sign stands for so i think from Mm -hmm. the very beginning yeah okay i really like that because one of one of the reasons i specifically wanted to talk to you about astrology because i mean I honestly could have, like, I could have picked any astrologer, but I was like, I have to talk to Colin because Uh, you approach astrology from such an inclusive space. I mean, hello, queer cosmos, like, (laughs) how inclusive (laughs) can you get? But I, I can tell that the work that you do, you just really do it to inspire and to like build community and help other people. So I just really wanted to be honored by that. Oh, (laughs) I really wanted to make sure that I talked to someone who isn't going to just give you like astrology as it's always been. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And an astrology as a way to just kind of propagate outdated norms and assumptions and feelings like people aren't enough because their Mars isn't a false sign or <laughs> Venus is square Saturn in their 12th house. So I'm doomed in relationships. <laughs> you know, it's like astrologers, please. And I'm just constantly questioning the analysis and the assumptions that I don't think are useful, that I don't see as accurate in my life experience or the life experience of my clients. Because if we're not aspiring and providing hope and leading people 
through darkness into light, then what are we actually doing? I mean, look at the state of the world. Like, mm-hmm. And if astrologers and spiritual seekers like us, if we're not the ones who are demonstrating the capacity of what it means to consciously change through serious spiritual study, through forgiveness, through compassion, through nonviolence, through understanding, through altruism, through compassion, then what hope does anybody have? Because if we're just using this to manifest a trip to the Amafi coast, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's not the deepest meaning of what we can do. Yeah. And because since we know what changes our own lives, that's what changes the world. Because if you know what changes conversations and changes a heart, that's how the world change. Metaphysicians have those values. So if we're not demonstrating that, then we're not honoring the gravitas of the system, period. Preach. Episode over. That was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but seriously, so you um, you have a book, Queer Cosmos. I do. Just came out in it did. November. It did. And I want to know what really inspired that. Like, what was your overall inspiration for coming out with Queer Cosmos? Okay, so the beginning of the website, because my website is called that, uh, was when my best friend and I, who is a queer woman, we realized that the vast majority of astrological information was extremely heteronormative, and it was explored from the binary of male, female, good or bad, this compatibility is successful, this one isn't. And it was just like, the hell's going on here? And it's we knew that there were other queer astrologers. We knew that there was information, but it just wasn't actually speaking to the advanced conversations and systems and empirical research around queer identities, queer relationships, and queer experiences, and putting it in dialogue with the system of astrology. And so we founded the website to begin and attempt to do that. That was our place to put it. Obviously, knowing we don't have a monopoly on the system, we don't have a monopoly on this lane, but this was just our beat. This was the way we decided to do it. And then uh, when my publisher, Cleas Press, contacted me and asked me to write it, I was actually very nervous because I was like, oh my God, who am I? I'm a cisgendered, white, you know, able-bodied gay man. I don't speak for the entire continuum, but I'll do my best, right? And so they asked me to name the book after the website Queer Cosmos. And then what really inspired me to dive into the model of uh, shame resilience, cultivating worthiness, and then establishing relational intelligence was because not only, as I said earlier, do metaphysicians need to be the most sophisticated and elegant and responsible people in every room, which then says, if we're not naming the epidemic of loneliness as the number one public health crisis in the United States, mm-hmm. we are also being extremely irresponsible with, with the position of power that we have. And so it was really kind of my, I felt deeply called to make sure that we, that I spoke about the value of relationships, that I included the research by Esther Perel, Harville Hendricks, John Gottman, Brene Brown, Marianne Williamson, leaders in the field of relational sciences to help queer people understand their relational proclivities and knowing that the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our relationships and to use our natal charts as understanding ways to develop shame resilience, unlearn shame, develop worthiness because worthiness is what guarantees relational success. And that way we model because queer people are constantly reconfiguring relational norms, right? We Mm -hmm. model what's possible for ourselves and other people who are looking at us today. There is so much to unpack in everything that you just I'm said. I'm sorry. I know. No, it's so good. Like, yes. I love it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the reasons, again, like I, I knew what I was getting myself into when I was like, I'm going to invite Colin on my show. Oh God. Okay. Hopefully. <laughs> I was like, who can I get that is going to get as much information in pos- as possible into an episode? Right. Right. Yeah. We don't have a lot of time. Let's go. Right. I'm going to just let him, I'm going <laughs> to let him loose and talk about whatever he's talking about. <laughs> I love um, it. I love it. So you... Um, I'm sorry. Let me just gather my thoughts. I know. Yeah. Your book, Queer Cosmos. I know that I have spoken to hetero cis people who have read your book as well, or who go to your website as well. And they like understand it on a deeper level. Like the feedback I've received at least is that it is not just for queer people. Like your approach is very... I'm challenging a system that has been the same for far too long. It's kind of stagnant. Um, and I think that that resonates with more than just queer people. Right. Um, do you find that 
you also you tend to solely work with queer people or do you find that it's very diverse it's it's very diverse it's very diverse which is wonderful in fact i had really amazing conversations today uh our relational compatibility reading involving two trans people and how they can incorporate the planets of the gender that they were not assigned to at birth that is a lot to understand astrology is so complicated for me that's i oh okay so i'll break it down so in the relationship compatibility right they were both uh female to male trans and what they were trying to understand was the fact that because mars is considered the masculine energy that we all have right regardless Mm -hmm. of sex sexuality or gender how they can incorporate Mars as eroticism, self-worth, and uh, conflict transformation, because Mars is the masculine. They were not mm-hmm. assigned male at birth. They were assigned okay. female. So they were much more in touch because it was socialized from, from within them to understand Venus and the moon. These oh, are right. more magnetic, receptive, feminine principles. Mars is traditionally masculine. And so we were having conversations about how to incorporate more of that energy into their charts to express their chosen gender, to express their chosen identity, and how to use their astrology to self-actualize in a more meaningful way. And so that's what's really amazing is that I can talk to queer people about these issues that heterosexual people just would have no proximity to and more power to you, but it's just the way it is. And then I had another wonderful conversation with a gay man today about how his Mars energy, once again, since it's retrograde and it's in his 12th house, meaning it's not immediately accessed to him, but he was definitely, he was raised in Norway, which had different gender norms for men, but he Mm. also felt that Mars was socialized out of him. So it's just these amazing conversations where we can help queer people and all integrate every single planet into their charts to find wholeness and self-actualization so that we are expressing the best of our charts at full cylinders. Interesting. So in, and if this is like getting a little too deep into the like actual build of astrology, please feel free to stop me. But no. um, So would traditional astrology govern that you read like a cis male's chart way differently than you read like a cis female's chart? Yes. Yes. Interesting. And like, for example, if cis male looking at your chart and you asked me what kind of person am i attracted to right i would have to go to your venus because i'm presuming you're heterosexual so therefore i have to look at the planet that rules femininity so let's look at venus right and then your mars energy is how you go about getting it and it's like (laughs) no i don't absolutely not right whereas if you're a queer male we're going to actually look at mars and venus and the moon and uranus and mercury Right. Like, because it's so much deeper than that. And again, with the best of intentions, they've accidentally made the conversation on relational analysis and self-awareness just very simplistic because that's what the binary is. It's either or this or that A or B, one or two, yes or no, Mm. Venus or Mars, when really it's all of it. And if we're not integrating wholeness into our charts, then what the fuck are we doing? And I'll tell you something. That's why gender nonconforming and trans folks and gender non-binary, everybody who decides to say fuck all of this, they are technically the most astrologically accurate. That's so great. So you've taken a holistic, uh, I think I think of astrology as like part of a holistic approach and you have now doubt. made it within itself an even more holistic approach of you can't just focus on these two planets. You got to focus on everything. That's- Absolutely. And you also have to, when you are a professional astrologer and you have readers that look up to you and uh, people who come to your lectures and readers who read your books, it is astounding how outdated the evidence is in so much of the literature. Mm. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like so how many times it- can you say the same thing? Yeah. And how many times can you just recycle the same garbage ideas and false mythology? Right. So, you know, it's also it's really where we have to really set the conversation free and bring it to a space where I think astrology as spirit meets science as research. And we're not such mortal enemies anymore. And we can really speak to the intersection where empirical support meets astrological basis. That's what I like to do is okay. bridge that gap a little bit more. I, I can definitely appreciate that. I love that you're yeah. essentially bringing astrology into the 21st century. 
<laughs> well, and I'm not the I'm not the right. first. I'm not the last. I'm not the only. Yeah, no. Right. In fact, the astrologers uh, who inspired me to do that the most were Ophira and Talia Duth. They're Scorpio moons, just like you, honey. And it's their birthday today, mm. and they were the first horoscope I ever read that would say, okay, so you have a full moon in your seventh house of relationships. So now's a good time to learn about adult attachment style. And you need to figure out whether you're anxious, avoiding, secure. And then through your research, could you actually apply the best on this as above, so below kind of quality so that you are understanding the energy and backing it the fuck up with grounded research? I was like, who are these fucking twins. And when I saw the way that they articulated astrology from kind of grounded emergence and by speaking of the narrative of the stars and providing people with secular tools to make sense of it, that's when I knew, oh, that's my technique. I love it. That's, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate your approach a lot. I think that it makes it digestible. It makes it real. It makes it like, okay, I understand this. It's not this like woo-woo out there, hard to understand concept right. you break right. it down in a way that i will not forget that again <laughs> I got oh, it. Good, when this good. comes around and again the second time I'll be like yeah yeah i remember when con talked about it i'm good ah, I love it. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot bitch i know yeah 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 i got it. i got no, that rundown <laughs> right i love it because it's true it's like if we're not making this conversation inclusive accessible people are starving for clarity and schools of thought to provide meaning in our life. And I think because there's been a huge uptick in the consumption of astrological mediation, we have a time to contribute into that listening with extraordinary research, profound meaning, and really helpful tools. And that's why I'm using this opportunity period to be as sober and clear and articulate and analytical and adaptable and responsible as possible. I need some of that juice. Please. <laughs> Sign me up for that. I don't. I, we'll ask questions about your chart. I'll put you on the spot. Ooh, okay. No, I don't. I don't want to know. Go ahead. <laughs> um, speak. Since it is, uh, you know, your episode is one of the first for 2020. Would you mind if we dive a little bit into astrology 2020? Yes. So today, this episode, if I may disclose, is being recorded on December 2nd, 2019, and the planet Jupiter just entered Capricorn for the first time since 2008, right? So this is a big deal. And uh, Jupiter is the planet that rules our wisdom, our success, and our prosperity, and our spiritual understanding. Mm -hmm. And so that means that since Jupiter's in Capricorn, we will achieve all of those things while we apply Capricorn values, which have to do with emotional self-mastery. So 2020 really sets the tone for, all right, everybody, we know why you're traumatized, why you have dysfunction, where the problems came from. So now that means you got to do something about it because I don't really care where you found it. I really want to know what you're doing about it to resolve it now. Mm. Because I'm not interested in the story of where you got it from. It's yours to clean up. And we all need to take radical emotional self-responsibility and start learning the emotional regulation tools that say, okay, yes, I was wounded in this area because of mommy and daddy's relational and emotional history that I inherited. But that doesn't mean I have to act from it because I can learn different tools of emotional insight instead. And if we do that, then we will achieve the Capricorn level of peak worldly success, which is that mountain climbing seagull, right? So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of really just moonstrucking, bitch slapping, snap the (laughs) fuck out of it, everybody. Like you're the only one who has trauma and shame and problem from the past. You and everybody else, you're not precious. Get the fuck to work. Called out. I'm seen. Right. Right. So like, if you're not doing something about it, I don't want to know. I don't need the analysis, the quagmire, the details, the nuance, the this, the fucking that. Zip it and get the fuck to work. Thank you so much for playing. So that's 2020. Uh, we'll have a few serious eclipses in uh, January, actually. This, this decade is going to start off with a fucking bang because uh, we have a lunar eclipse in Cancer on January 10th. And then we have the Saturn-Pluto conjunction on January 12th, which is really if we kind of can embed these systems and structures that be related to emotional responsibility and emotional impulse control, I believe it has the chance to permanentize, I'm going to invent a word there, uh, those qualities into our personality structure, good. 
And then the North Node moves into Gemini in July. And uh, we're going to see really amazing, I think, practices related to connection, conversation styles, relational success, and the words, the negotiations, the connections, the language that's required to sustain healthy relationships today. Okay. I am really excited for all of that. You should be. I um, may or may not have uh, watched your IGTV thing about uh, Capricorn and Jupiter today because Thank every you. time you're like, oh, IGTV, I pot, no matter what I'm scrolling or looking for, I'm like, done. I have to watch this. I don't. Thank you. That um, means so much to me. Can I just seriously say that? Because you have no idea the like, oh, the hysteria that goes through my mind when I have to record these things because I'm like, oh my God, these are five minutes long. You know, giving someone giving me their time to watch these things is the most precious time renewable resource they have. I want to make sure it's helpful. So I cannot tell you how much I appreciate every second you share with me in those videos. And I don't take a single second of it for granted. I just want you to know that. Oh, well, I'm sure that all the listeners are also excited to hear that. So thank you. Oh, good. Of course. Um, I do also want to talk about, because you said 2020 starts off with a bang. You're talking December, January, where it all starts. But I know that you have something big happening in January as well. Yes, Uh, yes, yes, yes. So your new book, Gemini, comes out. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So uh, my first publisher, Sterling Press, uh, decided to reach, uh, decided to publish a series uh, that every astrologer would write about one zodiac sign, right? Mm. So every zodiac sign will have one. So you should buy Libra and Scorpio, obviously, because those are your two dominant uh, expressions. And they asked me to write about Gemini. And I was like, done. And uh, I was excited to do that because uh, you do become your sun sign. And I'm a Gemini sign. I was born May 24th. I've read that you become your sun sign kind of in your midlife. Okay. And I just turned 30 this year. So I was writing about Gemini as I was staring down my 30s. And it was really amazing. And uh, I love being a Gemini twin because it is a sign of the twins. I was born a twin. And I think that there's been a lot of relegated, although funny, uh, information on Gemini that's just like deeply inaccurate and like so easy and clickbaity. Uh, so it felt really important for me to kind of clear up the assumptions and misconceptions and just nonsense articulation around uh, Gemini from a person who is a twin, who is a Gemini son, and who could speak to hopefully the best of that archetype. So that comes out uh, December 31st or January 1st, depending on your country. But if you know or love anybody, or if you are a Gemini, uh, I would highly recommend purchasing my book because A, I have student loans to pay, and B, it, it would be very helpful because I believe that it could uh, really just speak to the the deeper meaning of this amazing Zodiac sign. And I'm not just saying it because I am one. I'm saying it because I just think it's so beautiful that after Aries the Ram, the first Zodiac sign, followed by Taurus the Bull, you have Gemini the Twins appearing as sign number three, and that's the first introduction of human beings, and they appear in partnership. Mm. And so that's kind of what lays the foundation of the book in terms of really just recognizing that Gemini is the sign that actually introduces the concept of connection. It says that human beings are a social species. We survive and thrive when we're socially connected. It's in our DNA. In the absence of connection, there will always be cognitive and cardiovascular decline. That's why loneliness is a public health crisis, Mm. right? Because it actually poses more health damages than excessive alcohol consumption. Oh. It's, it's killing people. Loneliness is lethal. And Gemini introduces the concept of human beings together and human beings that are different. And what does it mean to negotiate? And what does it mean to have language and conversation to establish connection? Which then goes back to an, a, a thought that I learned a few uh, weeks ago through a doula friend of mine who told me that when the baby is in the mother's womb, mm-hmm. the first thing it hears is its mother's voice and i just Um, so what does that mean like the voice as safety the voice as home the voice as love language right and that's the and it hears it directly because there's no muscle tissue between the baby and the mother the mother's voice so it hears it directly and that's how it knows and i just think that's gorgeous because we're so irresponsible around something that actually provides us so much safety that's why the scariest words are we need to talk. Uh, and that's why we don't do it. We don't engage with it. We think we know how, or we deny it, we avoid it, and we run from it. 
So Gemini stands for, all right, everybody, get your fucking shit together and learn how to talk and learn how to listen, okay? Because there's a whole lot of people who are on the parallel monologue track, or the, there's a whole lot of people who speak in broadcast statements and just announcements mm-hmm. with, that, with zero interest to listen, right? Yeah. And also, if you're not socially connecting, enjoy your loneliness. <sighs> Sorry. So my, that's my book. <laughs> that sounds, I'm like, I'm not a Gemini. I honestly don't even think I have anything in Gemini. I can't oh. picture it anywhere in my chart, but I will still read it. Oh, you <laughs> like, should. Because I feel like it will help me understand the few Geminis in my life that I know. Like, well, I just, yeah. Well, if you're a Scorpio rising, that means Taurus is the ruler of your romantic relationship sector. So trust is given with Taurus energy, and it's the container, right, of what are we here for? So it goes from stable ambiguity to, all right, you're this, I'm this, let's do this together. And after Taurus is Gemini, so technically Gemini rules your sensuality, eroticism, and intimacy sector. Yeah. Okay. So that's the energy to put into the Taurus quality. And also that means that as you understand Gemini, so you will understand your eroticism and your intimacy and your sexual practices and your sexual health and your sexual desires. Done. Can I pre-order this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, do it. It's on Amazon, honey. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you talk a lot about um, loneliness Yes. Uh, so far. And I, you've mentioned more than once about it being an epidemic and a killer. And I can really relate to that because um, in my, in my um, like membership group that I have, um, especially this month, we've been talking a lot about people like trying to find their home and trying to find their mm-hmm. community and really fighting against this feeling of not having support. Would you say that there is anything, um, whether it be astrologically or not, um, that you would say would be helpful to people kind of dealing with that? Yes. So the North Node is currently in Cancer, okay. which answers, which helps everybody ask the right question to live into the answer of where do I belong, with mm-hmm. whom, and how do I belong more deeply to myself? Mm. Right? That's a good so, one. Because that's cancer energy, and the North Node is currently there. The North Node has to do with the North Star of astrology that points to, hey, maybe resolve this, and a whole lot more will fall into place. Oh, okay. Right? Right? So I like that the people in your membership group are asking themselves those questions. I can tell them that one of the greatest primers for that consideration is a book by Dr. Brene Brown, and it's called Braving the Wilderness. Okay. And she unpacks belonging in a very meaningful way. Right? And... What I have come to understand, especially in our spiritual crowd, is that if we are having tension with securing and protecting connection, that is usually because we have not fully self-accepted who we are. Mm. Because your capacity for connection can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance. Oh, say that again. Your capacity for connection Mm -hmm. can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance. That is so good. That was, and that's a, a quote by Dr. BB, Brene Brown, always bringing it back to Brene, my Scorpio uh, girl. <laughs> All right. So she's got Scorpio in her chart. She is telling the truth, baby. Okay. And it's true. And I often, when I know that people are struggling with connection, I go, All right. So what parts of yourselves have you not accepted? Where are you performing? Where are you people pleasing? Where are you perfecting? Right. Where are you towing the party lines? Because, oh God, if I say this, then that means I'll get kicked out of the club. You know you're talking to a Libra, right? I know. Yes, I do, baby. I'm just saying. So, I know. <laughs> I'm talking about towing lines. That's my whole right. life. Oh, let me just make sure. I don't want to make anybody upset. <laughs> right? Oh, fuck that. No one's entitled to comfort. So if you got to go in there and honor the best of your Scorpio fucking energy and go, no, the bullshit stops with me right the fuck now. Get over it. Right? You could be in a very different situation. But for me, I actually think that belonging to self is the prerequisite for belonging with others, not to others, but with others. And so I would highly recommend your members to really kind of have that book as mandatory reading and then review, hey, how am I doing? And what this doctor of social research is telling me to do. Mm, That's a good one. I will definitely, um, because of you, I have been uh, reading her stuff more. I've just been looking into 
just her work. And so I haven't fully uh, dove in yet, but that's okay. Take your time. I hear you say her name all the time and I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm on it. (laughs) I'm doing the research. (laughs) I know she's outstanding and her work. I would not be, there are a few people who have absolutely determined my career Mm -hmm. and she is one of them uh, without a doubt, because if I did not learn what she trained me to do with uh, the gifts of imperfection and showing up and, you know, risking failure, but doing it anyway, there's not a stone's throw in hell that I would be self-employed today. Not a fucking chance. Mm. So when I meet her, I can't wait to tell her just (laughs) the deepest bow of gratitude for the work that she's done. She's extraordinary. Yeah. So astrology is what you do full-time, right? You're That's right, baby. Just full-time astrologer. So yeah. for people that maybe don't know, because I feel like if I didn't know my parents' sun signs till I was in my 20s, there are probably other people that know very little about astrology. If they were to come see an astrologer, what does that look like? Great question. So every astrologer practices different interpretation techniques and methods and systems and schools and da 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 So everybody is different. So I can only speak for myself. Right. And what I do is I just kind of have a foundation of the knowing that the universe is perfectly invested in each and every one of our self-actualization. And it assigns a natal chart for us that is a highly individualized curriculum by which if we follow the themes, the ideas, the structure, the schedules in place there, we will rise and self-actualize to our maximum creative possibility. Hmm. Okay. And so when I am talking to a client, I have the chart in front of me and I'm asking them questions related to where they need astrological clarity on. So if it's professional uh, progress, if it's, you know, romantic relationships, if it's healing family issues, if it's finances, if it's healing shame, sexual assault survivors, trauma, I will be looking at the chart to to have it tell me a story because that's what it does. It's, you know, celestial storytelling that when we follow, we become the divinities we're capable of. And when my client is following the story that I am being told through the chart, I have the utmost honor of telling them, keep up the good work. You will cross the finish line. You might not be able to see it. Lean on my faith. You're going to get there. Got it. If their reflections do not line up with the chart, then I know, okay, I could be wrong because that's very possible. And or you're lying to me and you're lying to yourself. (laughs) Okay. And I'll get right to the fucking point and ask them, you know, serious questions about where that's lining up. And so what I try to do is not answer questions for them. It's a choice revealer. It's not a choice maker. right? Right. But I will simply tell them the story that I see in this chart. And it's told perfectly. Like our astrology is perfect. We're not, we're not enlightened masters. So we're not going to express the best of it, but I want to give them a North star. I want to give them a compass. I want to give them a template that they can follow and go, wow. So because I have a moon in Aries and a sun in Sagittarius, then that means I was meant to beat up boys on the playground. Yes. As a matter of fact, right? And of course you're meant to be a teacher. And of course you're meant to travel. And of course you're meant to ensure your freedom. So if your relationship partner is trying to make you abandon it, you can tell them to fucking blow this popsicle stand. Mm. Right? And that's how I can counsel others and provide them with the vocabulary, the schedule, uh, the ideas from this spiritual point of view that help them make sense of their worldly experience. Got it. So you essentially hold up a mirror to somebody and say... This is what it is. Do you line up or not? (laughs) Precisely. Precisely. And when when we say this, this is your perfect potential. This represents who you are in peak personal, relational, professional success. How are you doing so far? Mm. Right? I hope that's not a question to me. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, I think you're doing great because you're Scorpio moon, Scorpio rising. If you're not involved in esoteric and metaphysics, good luck. You got to be there, right? So everybody has the responsibility to express this self. And I think it's so beautiful because we see in nature that so many things already come pre-programmed with the blueprint, right? The, mm. the baby doesn't have to struggle, you know, to become the baby once it's the embryo. It just happens. And science, by the way, still has no fucking clue how the sperm knows how to find the egg. We don't know. Right. So what is this energy? And then when my twin sister had a baby, she told me about how when her daughter was born, the uh, midwife put the baby right on my sister. And this one minute old knew how to crawl to get right to my sister's breast for food. It's just 
who you are. It's in your it, right. It's it. This natural intelligence guides us all the time. But by the time we're six years old, we have the ego mind that goes, "Oh, you know what? Planets that are revolve around the sun. The power that does that, and the power that you know creates the baby, and then creates the space to get the baby to my sister's breast. You know what? You're so powerful and amazing. But I got it. <laughs> I could do it. It's That's okay. Funny. I have a plan. I got it. And there we and then we wonder why our fucking life is up in flames because it's like no you don't got it sweetie so don't lie to me don't lie to others and just put the fucking control shit down and ask yourself are you really willing to consider another way and if you are let's fucking get to work because we don't have time to dilly dally and then once you're there keep on going baby I love that you have actually by talking about the sperm just knows how to find the egg the child knows how to find what they need. You have just changed something that has been a major part of my life for a really long time, and I'm going to share it with you. Oh, please. Which could be so, so hard for your Scorpio energy, I'm I sure. know. But I'm really... Let me hear it. I'm I holding space, baby. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Oh, good. So I'm actually preparing to get a tattoo, probably by the time this launches, um, that says breath and dust as kind of a lineup of like, this is what I'm made of. This is what I got. Mm. Um, and it's because I always tell my clients... You are made of the same breath and dust as the stars that you wish on. So if they can do it, so can you. And so you talking about like mm. sperm can find the egg, child can find their mother's breast. Like it just makes so much sense to me because mm. you're made of the same things that keeps the universe turning, that keeps those stars telling you the story you need to hear. So like if they can figure it out and they can just keep going naturally, you can just keep going naturally. So you have just added a whole new layer to something that I firmly believe. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, well, good. Because you know what? I think what it speaks to, and thank you for sharing that, is that there is only one truth that's just spoken in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And what is that truth? That love is the only thing that matters. We're all made of it. When we express the best of it, our life works. Anytime we're in fear, it doesn't. But when we trust that the spirit of love, the energy of love, the power of love will deliver us to all circumstances, situations, and events that serve our highest and brightest, we'll see the effects of that because you're made of dust and breath, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can express the best of that, then our lives will prove it. And that's just so beautiful. I'm so glad. Yes, thank you for sharing. Everything you've already said so far has been amazing. And I'm still processing some of the things from the very beginning. But um, I do want to give you the opportunity before I let you go to share like one piece of advice or truth that has always rang true to you. Is there one thing that you feel like, I absolutely need to share this? Oh, that's a great question. It can be two things. Sometimes people are like, wait, doesn't it need to be one? I know, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. I will probably do one that my mother says often, which is choose courage over comfort, because you can't have both, right? Yeah, I right. I know. Go, Mommy. <laughs> and uh, the second thing that I would say is that forgiveness offers everything you want. Forgiveness offers everything you want. That is, that's good. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's a course of miracles tenant, but I really do believe that. I really do believe that. Uh, I think, you know, again, as spiritual seekers, if we're not talking about forgiveness, we're not talking about the most meaningful kind of qualities related to human forget you know, relationships. We need to start talking about like, what is, what are the mechanics of forgiveness? Mm. Right. Oh, and I'm going to say one more cause I'm a Gemini. So three, right. Let we it, got three. Let, let it out. Start before you're ready. I hear that. I say that yes. every day. I back that. I second it. I vote for it. I sponsor this message. <laughs> yes. Start before you're ready. You will never be bulletproof. You will never be a person where the critics can't say shit. You will never be totally perfect. So just fucking start now. Get dirty. Get your fucking feet wet. You know, if you have the blood, sweat, and tears, at least you're fucking in there. You're participating. You're brave. You're showing up. You're trying. You get it right mm. some days. You get it wrong the other. Who gives a shit? Just fucking start now. Show the fucking world what you're made of. Quit this perfectionistic bullshit and show up exactly as you are right now. No ifs, ands, or buts about it because you are worthy of success, love, and belonging. So fucking get out there and show us what you're made of. My little Libra heart is hiding in a corner somewhere. (laughs) How dare you tell me about perfection? I don't... Cut it out. (laughs) Cut it out. I hear you. It does that. And he eye rolls perfectly. I know. (laughs) It's not real. It's a shame trigger, P.S., And it's just, Mm. it's like, don't bother. 
It's not going to be real. You have the same probability of getting it perfect as we have landing on Jupiter. It's completely impossible. Don't bother. Mm. Okay. Anywho, yeah, sorry I mean to yell at you. (laughs) No, it's all right. I need it. Like, I need it. I'm sure a listener needs it. Somebody needs it. I said I was going to let you loose, right? Uh, You did. (laughs) You did. I know. You go for it. And and he's surely regretting it. Go ahead. Not at all. (laughs) Um, All right. Cool. So if someone wanted to find you, become your new best friend, connect with you, where is the best place to find you? Uh, my website, queercosmos.com. My Instagram handle is queercosmos.com, Q-U-E-E-R-C-O-S-M-O-S. Did I spell that right? Yeah. I, yeah. I never know if I'm spelling it out loud. I could um, never do that with... Like, da, 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 da. Yeah, I would not. Good for you. With yours either. Yeah, you do it now. Go. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do it. The Diviner Life. T-H-E-D-I-V-I-N-E-R-L-I-F-E. I can also tell, sweetie, that you are looking at your computer screen. No, I was looking out. I have an email <laughs> oh, right here. Okay, I was like, <laughs> I was like, are you reading that out loud off of the script? Are you cheating? I... No, 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 no. It's no, not no, even in the inbox. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> then I'm going to shut the fuck up, okay? But yeah, it's never easy. So yes, Queer Cosmos, Q-U-E-E-R-C-O-S-M-O-S. That's where you can find me. And I appreciate your listeners for listening to this episode. And of course, to you for leading just such a thoughtful and well-organized and amazing system of exploration and conversation. Say it again. Thank you. (laughs) You are. Yeah. I was like, the link, the intake form, the pictures, you got it all. I was like, wow, this bitch did not come to play games. All right, good. So I'm going to make sure that this is the episode I send to future guests to say, see, it's super easy. Colin said it was wonderful. Take his word for it. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Right. What's the problem, you know? So, no, you are amazing. And it was such an honor to be here. So thank you for holding that space for me. Of course. Thank you so much again for being on the show. And we will talk soon. Yes. Right, all right. That was my conversation with Colin. After the show, Colin and I had a quick chat about my personal natal chart, aka my birth chart. And in what seemed like a flash, he explained parts of myself to me that I've always felt but could never articulate. And I am infinitely grateful for his wisdom and insight into my own journey. So he is the real deal. He knows his stuff and you should definitely check out more of his work. If you want to do so, please make sure that you follow Colin on Instagram and Facebook at Queer Cosmos or head over to his website, QueerCosmos.com. While you're out there following new people, make sure that you are following me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me at The Diviner Life. Of course, you'll also want to click the subscribe button wherever it is you are listening in from today. That way you're notified when the newest episodes are launched and ready. Speaking of new episodes, check in next week for the return of my favorite Tantra teacher, sacred sexuality coach, Amy Jindra. We will discuss the spiritual and healing energy of, well, let's just say an often taboo topic. It is certainly one for the books. Thanks for listening, and remember to share this with your twin, your astrologer, your metaphysician, or whoever else you come in contact with today. Don't forget that I love you, I appreciate you, and until next time, be true. Be you. Be honest.